0: Father, I, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather today, Father. I thank you, Father, that you are moving. Yes, Lord. I thank you that you're healing. Yes, Lord. Father, we receive that, Lord. Yes. I thank you, Father, that you are touching our land, Father. I pray that you would continue to heal us, Father that you would indeed lift the plague off of all of the nations, Lord. That you would heal the lands, Lord. I pray for the economy of the world, Lord. I pray, Father, that people in lack would be provided for, Lord. I pray for government stability, Father. I pray, Father, for the economy of our nation, Lord. I pray, Father, that people would be able to get back to work, Lord. I thank you, Father, that we as a county will be opening up partially tomorrow. I pray for that transition, Lord. I pray for safety for people. I pray that people would use wisdom in the name of Jesus and how they operate the decisions that they make, Lord. I pray, Father, for those that are um, immune-compromised, during this transition, Father. That they would make the right decisions. I pray for our protection. I pray that the virus would not spike, Lord. That people would make the right decisions, Father. I thank you, Father, that we are able to meet today, Lord. I pray, Father, that churches would continue, Father, to push forward through this, Lord. I pray against the attack on churches, Lord. I pray, Father, for... The war in the heavenlies, God. The war in the spirit realm. I pray, Father, that, that we would not give up fighting in the spirit, Lord. I pray for our time together today, Lord. I pray that we would rejoice in you, Father. In, the, in your goodness and your faithfulness. That you are a merciful God, yes, we thank you and we praise you for all that you are, Jesus. and that you chose us and you loved us first. Yes, In your name, Amen. So, um, my birthday. you gotta step up first. Okay. So I can't I don't know if
1: anyone's
2: on
1: there. But- oh, hi. <laughs> okay, so um. Oh my, what was it? Okay. So my birthday, uh, I asked the Lord to give me a scripture that I will never, that I will always remember. Um, so, and I opened my Bible app my phone, and this is the scripture that it can, uh, and it's Hebrew 11.6. We all pretty much know this, this verse, but it's, it is. But without faith it's impossible to please God for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder or those who diligently seek him so I decided to as soon as I read it in the past he had used this scripture really powerful and he moved in a way that he definitely was speaking to my heart um which happened back then, but anyway, so I decided to search, you know, when God speaks, so I like to go deeper in my study, because I want to know what exactly He went trying to tell me, so this is what I found, and uh, I love the Bible from uh, Dr. Tony Evans, so this is what uh, uh, he wrote, this is not me, this is what I was able to get from this passage, so he said, Do you want to live in a way that please God? Then you must operate by faith, mm-hmm. even if you must do so alone mm-hmm. and go against the set the norms of the day. Mm-hmm. You must believe with in expectation that God responds when you seek to please Him. Mm-hmm. And he wrote, the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is disobedience no matter the situation, your Savior is bigger and is stronger. Keep your eyes on Him. And I wrote this part that was mine. Our Lord and Savior. So I, I, I was like, man, God, you definitely, it was, it's like, we all know that we went going through this crazy situation around the whole entire world and here in our nation with this uh, Corona. So, but I was like, okay, I understand exactly what you're telling me, but I went in a, in a search, and I went to Hebrew four twelve, which again we know this is Christian as well, which is a for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It is able to judge, and this part is just the part that is just like ah. <laughs> it is able to judge the thoughts and intention of your heart no creature is hidden from him or all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to those we must give an account Mm -hmm. it's not if you want, if you know you must give an account Mm -hmm. and um, Hebrews 4, 16 but you see I love God, we all love Jesus but I love that he like my my brother always said to us he's a God of wrath He's a God of love. You know, he's like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, you know, he knows our intention. He knows our heart. So, but at the same time, this is, this is what I love. Jesus made a way for us to say in Hebrew four twelve. therefore let us come boldly to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Mm-hmm. So when we, it was like God telling me personally on my birthday with this scripture of Hebrew eleven six. That without faith is impossible to please Him, uh, uh, but uh, to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder. Those who diligently seek Him. So it's just like, you know, you believe in me, great, that's awesome. But you must seek for me. You know, because we can say, uh, uh, let's say for example, uh, it was a beautiful example that I read about when you go to a plane, you trust in your pilot. Mm-hmm. That he's gonna move you from one city or from one country to another country. So you put in all your hope on your, what you say, your faith that he's gonna take you from this plane uh, uh, A to B, but you don't know if he will do that. But the same thing with God, you know. So anyway, the thing, my point is that we need to seek him, you know. And yeah, like right now, a lot of people are seeking God and trying to find out, figure it out, what's happening, if this is the end time or whatever the case may be. But the reality is. um, The reality is that we should seek him every day, not just because we are in COVID-19 and everything, all the questions that is happening, but it's daily to seek him with all our heart, mind, and soul, because that's what he wants, to have a relationship with us. So, Father, I thank you so much that you speak to us. Uh, I thank you that, at least for me, it's, uh, it's so beautiful to know that if I seek you, I will find you. If I seek you with all my heart, Father God, I know that you will forgive me. When, when I do things that is not what you asking me for me to do or to speak or to say things that I'm not supposed to say, Father God, or whatever is the case, Father, I know that you say to me, Father, that I can come boldly to the throne of grace because you have you have made a way for me to come through your Son, Jesus Christ, Father God. So we thank you. We love you, Jesus. I pray, God, that it's my heart desire as I share this with all of us, Father God, that we will truly seek you, God, that we will truly desire to have fellowship with you, that we will truly desire to know you, God, because if I say that I know you, I should know everything about you, God. So I pray, God, that we would desire to have that fellowship with you and to love you. And and, and, and and when we make mistakes, Father God, that we will come quickly, quickly to you, Father, and repent, and, and I know that you will forgive us, Father God, immediately. Because as far as the east is from the west, you you don't remember our sin no more, Father. So we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. right, yeah. oh, that's worship.
2: Good morning,
3: ladies, because you deserve the glory.
2: against us shall prosper and that what the enemy is intended for harm God we thank you Lord that you can turn it around for the good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose and so father we come together today and father I pray God that our hearts will be of good soil to receive your word and that your word would take root and that lasting fruit would come forth from our lives God I thank you, God, that we have the opportunity to come to sit at your feet. A holy God who's made a way through his Son to be reconciled to you, Lord, through Jesus, that we may have peace with you on anything that we could do but all that Christ has done. Father, we say thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, All right, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Don't be misled. The justice of God will not be mocked. You will harvest what you plant. So what have you been planting this week? That's what we need to give thought to. I would even encourage you at the end of each day, as you're going through your day, what have you planted because you know whatever you've given it yourself to, whatever you, you've put your hands towards, your thoughts towards, your eyes towards, your ears towards, it affects you. Somehow, some way, whatever you've done is going to come back on you. Are you planting that which is good, which is right, which is pure, which is holy, which is righteous? Are you serving Christ or are you serving self? Or are you serving others for motives that aren't pure, that aren't right? So I want to encourage us as we're continuing to go forth in this year, a year that I'm praying for us that we're growing in, to really give thought to how we're living. Are we growing? Are we maturing as Christians? Are you experiencing a level of freedom each day? Again, it's not about being perfect. You're not striving to be perfect, to follow all the rules. No, but you're striving to grow and to mature, to become more Christ-like because we reckon ourselves dead, but alive in Christ. We've nailed ourselves to His cross. We now are to be at service for Christ. I mean, if you haven't opened up Scripture, I'm going to challenge you to open up Scripture. See what Scripture says about the times in which we're living and the times that are to come upon us. And I've been telling us for quite some time now, are we ready for those days? This is, if you would, like a trial run. (laughs) You know, some people say, well, you know, What's the good news if, if everything's just going to keep getting darker and crazier? And I keep encouraging us and I keep encouraging those that ask me that question is that the church is still on the earth. Amen. There's a job for us to do, if you were, would. He's prepared good works for us to do. And the only way they can be done is in obedience unto Christ. Are you seeking Him for what He would have for you this day? Are you seeking Him to to how you can serve those that He brings along your path, those divine appointments? Are you willingly allowing yourself to have time by yourself, a devotion time, seeking Him? Like, God, I need you more. Like, Father, how can I serve you? How can I serve others today? Are you opening up the Word are you allowing the Holy Spirit whom you've been given to be your comforter, to be your guide, to be your teacher? Are you walking in the Spirit? And what does that look like for you? Are you getting discipled? Are you getting grounded in? Over these past few months, I've had an opportunity to disciple different people. And what's been so encouraging is the see freedom. For the first time, though they sat in church the majority of their life... They didn't grasp the fullness of freedom that they have in Christ. And they've said kind of along the same lines, the same things, even though they're different people. They have no interactions with each other. They don't know I'm meeting with them. But they almost like say the same thing. Like what you share we've never heard. How is it that I've been around Scripture my whole life and I don't understand that there's true freedom? That I'm changed, that I'm a new creation. And I said, but but it shouldn't be foreign to us because that's what the Word says. That's what the Word says. Like we are a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things are made new. You know, and, I, and I've shared and, and I've said there's times in my earlier Christian walk where I went to groups. <laughs> I was around Christians, but I left more confused about what a Christian should be when I left those meetings because there was no level of freedom. They were still enslaved in their bondage and they talked more about their bondage than they did their Christ. And I said, that was really confusing for me. Because the God who delivered me set me free. And I needed to get rooted. I needed to understand the fullness of that freedom. Not to be told that I'm going to continually to be a slave to sin. Because why would I have left my whole life and given up everything To serve a God that from what I hear didn't accomplish what he says in his word he did. Like Jesus came to deliver the captives. To set them free. Like his ministry, his death, his resurrection. He defeated sin and death. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, the seat of authority. He was from the beginning with God, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, formed the earth, created mankind, and set forth This incredible love story. The reconciliation. Through Christ. Of the created to the creator. That God all along from the beginning to the end. That his plan and his purpose. And my goodness. Each of you should be able to get up and say this. Because you should know it by now is to have a people that he will call his own, and in return, they will call him their God. And what does that look like for you? What does that look like for me? What does that look like for the collective body, the church, who is who is the who are the children of God, the living God, who from the beginning reveals to us that he's holy? And as he is holy, we are holy. We're set apart. We're not to look like the world. We're not to be, you know, running amok with them. No, we're to be among them, but we're to be living different. And what does that look like? Because in and of ourselves, we would live like them, because that's how we live the majority of our life. By our flesh. By that old man, by that old woman, by those old desires, by those old thought patterns. Just do for me, give me, give me. It's a rebellious attitude that it's just who we are because that's our nature before our eyes are open. And then we see our need for our Savior. What does that look like when God is pleased to reveal himself to us through his son Jesus? And that yet though we're in complete rebellion, yet though we've held our fist up to him, yet though we've denied him left and right, yet though we've mocked him, we've mocked his followers, we've we've done everything to just spit in his face and reject him, and yet he's pleased to reveal himself to us through his son Jesus. You see, there's no greater love than that. You're never going to find that in anyone or anything. That God... Who is holy. Knows you. Knows me. And knows the nature in which we were born into. And yet he says. I'm making a way for you. I'm making a way for you. I'm not holding your sins against you. I'm not going to throw up your past to you. No, my desire is to heal you to deliver you that you may live and not die. That yet though the wages of sin is death and you deserve death and you deserve punishment but my love and my sacrifice has lifted the charges against you. You're a free man. You're a free woman. What does that look like in your life? And I've shared with you over and over throughout the years. Especially when I've had one-on-one times with the majority of you. Is in the beginning I used to ask, God, who am I now? Because I know how I will continue to live. I know what I will continue to do. And God, it's burning in me. Like, I want to do it. So how am I to live now? Who am I now? What does it look like to obey you? What does it look like to honor you? What does it look like to serve you and to serve others? What does it look like to, to think of others before I think of myself? What does this look like? Because this is so foreign to me. And I praise God. That my questionings didn't make me distant from Him. No, in my ignorance (laughs) made me more dependent upon Him. He's not expecting me to have it all together. He's expecting me to depend on Him. This life in which I live now has to be rooted in Him. And that's the role of the Holy Spirit And that's why I shared last week the works of the Holy Spirit. Let's go there. John 16, verse 8 through 11. I just want to look at this portion of Scripture. Because if we're talking about monitoring what we're planting in order to harvest that which is right, then we really need to understand what that looks like. So John 16 Verses 8 through 11. And this is Jesus' words. Jesus tells us, "I I have to go away so that he will come. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness. And of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. And I've been praying. and It, just, it kept coming back to me like all week long, the this, 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 this scripture here. And to put it back before us. Because I just what we've got to be careful to do is treat this like just any other book that we read. It's not a self-help book. It's not a, a, um, a, just another book filled with stories. Like, this is the living word. And you've got to, as a, as a Christian, understand that this is the authority. This is the word of God. This is, this is how the the, the Lord... And the Holy Spirit speaks to us through His Word. And I know that people have fought throughout centuries to discredit the Word. And to make it a scene as if man, it's man's plan. (laughs) But I keep encouraging you, there's no way, no how, men from all different generations can collectively write a book and put it together that has impacted the lives throughout the earth. Generation after generation after generation after generation. Even the prophetic words that are captured here are coming and have come to pass. Like This is the word of God. Yet though it was penned by men, it was inspired by god and so we got to get to a place where as the church we understand that and that there's no questioning of that i remember in my beginning days how am i to live i would open up his word and my eyes were open to understand to see to apply the word not just to be a hearer of the word but to actually do the Word. And what does that look like? And to live it out, to let the Holy Spirit bring conviction, truth, revelation, and understanding. I mean, I've said before, I'm not, a real, I'm not an educated man. I used to hate to read and to study. I would rather do anything else. But after becoming a Christian, I, I, I can't get enough to devour the Word. And I told you before, there was times where you ever open up the Bible and you get tired or all of a sudden your mind starts remembering all the things you're supposed to do and you start making lists. And before you know, you're not even in the word. Your mind's everywhere else. But yet when you sit down and, and you watch a three-hour movie or you binge watch Netflix or anything else or you're just around friends, conversations, whatever, you could do, you can do, and you can go, and you can go, and you can do, and you can do, and you, can do and, and, and you don't really get that easily distracted. You see, there's a war for your soul. There's a spiritual realm in which we cannot see but is there. <laughs> And we've got to be mindful of that as believers each and every single day from the moment that you wake up until the moment you lay back down. How are you prepping for battle? Because this is what I've told a few people this week. If we're not prepping We're losing. We're losing. Like every morning, the moment that your eyes awake, (laughs) you need to center your thoughts on God. You need to begin to pray for your day. Pray for the challenges that you know that are ahead. Pray for the challenges that you may not know but will come. (laughs) whatever area of your heart that you know God has already spoken to that you have an issue with, get ahead of it. Pray ahead of it for strength, for purity, for honesty, for truth instead of a lying tongue. You just got to be honest with God because He knows you. You don't have to hide from God. You don't have to pretend for God. No, you got to be honest with God. This is a battle. That old woman, that old man, is not going to want to give up that easily. You've got to die to him. You've got to die to her. The enemy is not going to give up easy. The world is not going to give up easy. You are a new creation living in this same fallen world that is standing judged by God. And God's wrath is coming. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world but to save the world because the world already stands condemned. And people like to twist that scripture around. They don't add on that second part of the scripture. They say, well, Jesus didn't come to condemn. No, he didn't. He came to save. You're right. Because the world already stands condemned. The world already stands condemned. The wrath is coming. But those who are in Christ are redeemed, are saved from his wrath. There's good news. That's the good news. That's why we live differently. That's why we get up every day and we recognize wait a minute, we belong to God. And God is not expecting me to be perfect, but he is expecting me to be set apart, (laughs) to be holy, to be continually maturing and persevering and growing in faith, that I will walk by faith and not by sight. That I would speak that which is edifying, not speak that which tears down. So that as I get up and I've prepped and i prepare for battle, because I recognize when the Word of God says that your enemy is prowling around, seeking whom he may devour. You've got to talk to yourself. You've got to get up every morning and give yourself a pep talk. The Word. That it come forth from your mouth. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. And I always told people that you need to hear yourself say it. It needs to come out of your mouth. That's why years ago when I had you all get your um, cardboard piece of paper and stand on it, outline your feet, and begin to write these truths of the I Am's that are in Christ, to discipline yourself when you get up. Because listen, in and of yourself, you're not going to want to grow. In and of yourself, you're not, want, you're not going to want to put truth into practice. In and of yourself, you would desire what's back there. So this is discipline. You've got to discipline yourself. Just like with any war, a soldier has to be disciplined. so you get up every morning you let your feet hit that mat and it's the first thing you see and you look down and you begin to declare the truth and then throughout your day you're just living the Christian life is a life lived not just a one time prayer (laughs) and it's not just sitting around carrying on about poor me, myself and I look at all my struggles Look at what I'm going through. And there's nothing wrong talking about your struggles. But as you talk about them, you should equally come right behind them with truth. With truth. So then as you're going about your day, you're relying, you're you're depending upon the Holy Spirit. This is a life that is based in Christ. Not Rob, not you. But in Christ, so Holy Spirit, I'm dependent upon you because Jesus says He had to go away so that you will come. And that you will bring conviction. That you would give me understanding of the righteousness of God through Christ and of the judgment that is to come. So those three things, I pray, that they would get rooted in your life so that as you go about your day, you recognize, wait a minute, before I touch that, before I say this, before I keep thinking about this, wait a minute. Holy Spirit, convict me if it's wrong, if it's not right. Remind me of the righteousness of God that, I, that is found in Christ. Is it going to honor Him? Is it the right thing to do? And if what I'm doing, what I'm thinking, what I'm saying, does it really expose the judgment that's coming? And when I'm lost, or all of it's lost in translation, then I'm going to ask, Lord, I need wisdom. (laughs) I need wisdom. Because my life is not my own. I understand, Lord. What you're saying? I don't want to live like someone who refuses to believe in you. I don't want to live like someone who doesn't understand the righteousness that is available to me through Christ. And I surely don't want to—I surely don't want to think that judgment's not coming and I can live loosely however I want especially in a day and age and in the generation and in the generations that will continue to go where sin and craziness is just going to keep escalating. It's going to keep rising. The enemy knows he has a short time. He's already judged. So why would we continue to go the way of the enemy? Why would we continue to yoke ourselves to the very one that already stands condemned. Judged. See people that aren't in Christ. Their father's the devil. The Bible says that it's him who blinds the eyes. He's cunning. He's crafty. He's not going to let up. In fact we read last week how even the demons. Knew who Jesus was. He, Jesus stepped in the synagogue. The demons freak out. They know their time is coming. And did you all miss it? Because, man, I, I kicked myself when I said, man, I forgot to bring it up last week. Did you realize that you miss it? The demons weren't acting ugly in the synagogue. Think about that. The demons were sitting there pious, righteous, holy looking, looking Right looking well-groomed, looking like they knew Scripture. They weren't acting them up. They weren't screaming and running wild. Ah, the devil is among us. The wheat and the tares, they grow together. Not everyone who puts on the, 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 the clothes, if you would, to look right is right. It's not until Jesus shows up. It's not to where they start hearing the truth. It's not to where all of a sudden the word is going forth and it irritates them. Now all of a sudden, the religious and the demons have an issue with church. So don't be surprised when your greatest pushback is not from the lost, (laughs) But it's from those sitting among us. People do not want to die to themselves. They like what they have. Even if what they have is killing them. They want their destruction. They want their chaos. They want their lust and needs and everything else. How crazy is that? But as soon as truth is presented Look Before you look around Look at yourself How are you reacting When truth is presenting? presented You shouldn't be shrieking back from it No, if you really understand who God is It draws you to him Like I Was such a horrible person The life that I lived, the darkness that I enjoyed. (laughs) I wasn't looking for God. I wouldn't want anything to do with Jesus. And if He can extend His love and His grace and His mercy to me, He can do it for anyone. In the moments that I fail, and the moments that I go, Oh, when that conviction comes, I go, Oh God, I'm so sorry. I don't turn from God and and then have to run and hide. If you really know your Father, you you know good and well, like, oh, Jesus. Like when that conviction comes, the Holy Spirit brings it forth. You just go, oh, God, yeah, I'm sorry. It's that godly sorrow. It's not the worldly sorrow where it's just flip it and you're like, okay, yep, I'm sorry. But then yet you go right back at and do it. No, like when you see your sin, when you see it, 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 it's like, oh, God, Help me. Remember, God doesn't stiff arm us. He's not stiff arming you. Like he wants you to come to him. He is your protector. He is your deliverer. He is your helper. So you get up and you keep moving on. You keep living this Christian life, this new life. You're not afraid of the enemy. You're not afraid of yourself. You're not afraid ooh, of the world. It's weird how, how some Christians live. We're not looking for a devil under every rock. We're not blaming the devil and the demons for all the issues. The issue is mankind, sin, rebellion. We have to own it in order to be freed from it. Because we're the only ones that can lay it down. Like I lay down my life. I know how I would live, but I don't want to live that way. Because it's not pleasing to you. And if you've made a way for me, then I'm going to trust it. I'm going to believe it. Go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 26. Galatians 5. 16 through 26. No, um, yeah, 26. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. And so you're not constant. I'm sorry, So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let that sit in for a second. These sins should not be active sins in the life of a believer. It's like the list I shared last week. The Sin is not to be the master. It doesn't mean that you won't sin. It just means that it doesn't master you. Your life is not bent to that any longer. You're learning how to die to yourself daily. You're learning how to turn and to move forward into the newness of life. And you're understanding truth. The truth that sets us free. How am I to live, God? There, Rob. It's very clear. I show you what your old self looks like. I show you what the flesh looks like. And there's nothing in that that pleases me. Think about that. And think about how the gospel is being perverted today and it will continue to be perverted to twist it, to give you the right to live however you want. And where do you see that in Scripture? Be careful of what you're hearing. I keep telling you all that. If it's giving you the right to yourself, it's not the gospel. I don't care who's standing in the pulpit. I don't care how religious they look and sound. If they're giving you the right to yourself that's not the gospel listen to the good news verse 22 but the Holy Spirit produces who produces the Holy Spirit not you striving 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 to do right to do right to do right not you trying in and of yourself no but the Holy Spirit That's why this has to be a walk. This is how you're living now. This is how you're moving forward now. This is how you're honoring Christ. You're allowing the Holy Spirit to do His work in you. To mold you. To break you. To mold you. To break you. To mold you. To continue His work within you to make you more Christ-like. Look what it says here. He produces... This kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, fruitfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading, look at this, in every part of our lives. Not just the little part we want to give to God, but we're going to keep this side, and God, you're just going to have to be okay with that. No, 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 no. It's every part. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. This is the way that we're called to live. And there's everything that you face in your life. Whatever the trial may be. Whatever the suffering may be as you're dying to self. Because self, again, is going to want to hold on to the old life. It's not easy. So I don't want you to think that when we're talking about the Christian life, it's an easy life. Because Jesus himself tells us, oh no, it's not. Consider the cost. They're going to hate you they hated me. And and I keep saying this to us. Like it doesn't make sense that people who are hard workers, who mind their own business, who serve others, who who think of others before they think of themselves, who are not easily angered, who show up and contribute to society, because that's what Christians should be doing, That people hate them. They mock them. They laugh at them. The governments want them dead. That should open your eyes. To the spiritual realm. In and of the the flesh. The natural. It doesn't make sense. Why would you kill good people? Why would you hate good people? Why do they irritate you? Just because they do good. Ah we gotta wake up. Gotta wake up. The Bible tells us that Jesus came into the world, and yet the world hated him. And why did his creation hate him? Because they liked themselves better. They wanted to live for themselves. And what kind of craziness is that? Why would we settle for the created when the creator has called our name? When he said, listen, this isn't your home. (laughs) You're just here for a short time. Don't get caught up. Don't try to have this stuff that's in front of you satisfy you because it never will. You will only be satisfied in me, he says. And so, everything we face, every trial, every suffering, every temptation, everything that you're going to face in your Christian life, if you do not fall into it, these fruit, this fruit will be produced in you. Think about the challenges you face this week or even this morning. They're there to produce, to, to, to build up your character, to bring forth love, joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, long suffering. Have you ever thought about it that way? When you look at challenges or struggles in your life? Have you ever just stopped and well go, wait a minute? <laughs> These are here to produce something with me. Am I lacking in love? Am I lacking in joy? Am I lacking in peace or patience or kindness? Or goodness, or gentleness, or long suffering? Okay, Lord. Help me to see, Holy Spirit. What is it that I need to learn and to grow and to mature in? That's what I want to encourage you all. Live the Christian life, just don't settle. Don't fight in the flesh. You've got to learn to fight in the spirit. Like when I played that song, Psalm 23, it's one of my favorite songs that I've, I've listened to for many years. Like the enemy comes, you all. But we've got to stop listening to him. Do you know what the Word of God says? Do you know what the Word of God says? is to first submit yourself to God, then resist the enemy, and he has to flee. Like, have you ever read that in Scripture? Because it's there. You're not to fight the enemy. So many people out there are fighting the enemy, rebuking, calling out, <laughs> carrying on. And the devil's beating them down. They're saying loud prayers and stomping and stomping and stomping. And a lot of times they miss the first step. Submit yourself to God. See, when the enemy comes, you submit yourself to God. Then you do the resisting. Then you get up. And you say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. When you can come to a place in your life that the discipline of God, that you recognize that his rod and his staff, his discipline comforts you, instead of raising your fist up against him or questioning, why, God, why? No, when you just realize, like, oh, God. I see you in the midst of this. (laughs) I thank you that I can find comfort because your word says that you discipline those that you love. So, this is just a revelation, yet another understanding of how great you love me. Like, I don't know if we're getting it. Are we talking like this? Are we living like this? Because that's who we are. We're his people, he's done great and mighty things. He's not finished. He's not finished. That's why Jesus says, I have to go away. So that he will come. The Holy Spirit. He's he's working. He's working. Up until the day those the sky parts. And Jesus takes us home. God has not finished. We can't live as if he's dead Or if his promises aren't yes and amen We, we can't live One foot in and one foot out we, we can't live Like we don't know who he is And yet try to claim all of his promises as our own No, we've got to know our king We've got to live for our king We've got to put into practice truth. We've got to be as people. Go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 32. Now, this is great news, you all. And this is how we're, we're sharing with others. Like when others start seeing a difference in you, they may mock you, they may laugh at you. They're paying attention to what's going on in you. Like, I keep telling these people that I'm discipling, when you go home, don't play the victim. Get up and just live what you're learning in front of everyone who remembers who you've been for 20 some odd years. And no, don't expect them to applaud your improvement, improvement if you would. Because if you're looking for men to applaud you, if you're looking for men to recognize you, then your motives are not right. No, just already receive that God is for you and not against you. He's already done the work. Everything is finished. Now just live it out. Live it out before people who are still darkened, who are still blinded, And when they when they provoke something within you to act ugly like you were, you better be quick to repent to them and to God. You just live your life and you trust that God is going to do the breakthrough as he did in your life for their life. So you just live your life. You just grow. You just keep maturing. No matter what people say, you trust. And so then when the door opens and they say, there's something different about you. Like, what is, who is this God? What do you believe? What's going on? It's just an open door. Not to talk about you, but to talk about Jesus. Like, you should be praying for your loved ones, your friends, the community around you, the lost that God would be pleased to reveal Himself to them through His Son, Jesus. That they would be sensitive to the Holy Spirit who, what you've already learned last week and this week, who, and this is how you should be praying, who brings the conviction that would lead them to repentance as they see the righteousness of God that can be found through Jesus and how they can be delivered from the coming judgment that's going to come upon this earth. Bring laborers along their path, God. That would sow the seed that will water it. And ultimately, Holy Spirit, that you would harvest it. Like This is how we should be talking and praying for our loved ones. For our friends. For our community. For the loss. Like as you're going out and about. This is how you're praying. This is how you're living. It's so vital. So look at this. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17 through 30. With the Lord's authority I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles. Basically those who aren't in Christ. So don't live like they do. For they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. That's how people live who are not in Christ. That's how I lived before Christ. that's how you live before Christ. but if you're saying you're a Christian, if you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that is not how you are to continue to live but you say, but yet I still have issues. That's okay. Just keep growing. Just keep seeking. get in fellowship, get discipled, get rooted. Be around people who are free. Not people who pretend. Not people who pretend, but people who are free. You would know them by their fruits. You're not looking for someone who is perfect, but you're looking for some fruit in people's lives. And not fruit that just springs up for a day and then spoils the next over the night. <laughs> because the next day they're right back to craziness. No, lasting fruit. You want to look God, I need discernment. Because not everyone who lays hands on me, not everyone who prays for me, not everyone who is speaking over me is of God, even though they may be saying your word. And that's why the Bible warns us to judge the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will never lead, lead you in error. And that's why we've got to be very careful of who we are allowing to speak into our lives and who we are sitting down with to open up the Bible. you got to be very careful. If you don't see fruit that's lining up, then back away. <laughs> like you got to get rooted because we're not to be living like that. So then verse 20, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, look at this, throw off your old sinful nature and your formal way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception. That's what the old man, the old woman is corrupted by. So every time we go back to him or to her, guess what you're yoking yourself to? To lust and to lies. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Who renews the thoughts and attitudes? The Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Put on your new nature created to be like God. Not God. <laughs> to be like God. <laughs> Truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. And don't don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief... Quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language that everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you, look at this, as his own. Guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead be kind to each other, tender hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Ah, this is beautiful. This should excite us. And then again I tell you, if you see these this List, if you would, of sin of attitudes, and you see that they're active in your life. Don't beat yourself down. <laughs> Repent. Be honest with God. And that's what kills me. That's like when I'm saying, as I'm talking to people who sit, who've sat in church the majority of their life, and they say, "But I've never, I've never understood freedom." And the reason why is because they were never at a place to really hear or to receive. A lot of the people that I'm, I'm mentoring or I'm discipling, it's basically because they've been caught. And now they're being held accountable. And there's an option. Either sit down with someone or you have to be removed. And the Holy Spirit has broken them and given them a, a sensitivity to his, to his leading. And now they're hearing for the first time, like, like, brother, you still love me, yet though I'm still going through this? Yeah. Like, you know how many people sit in churches their whole life enslaved to sin, to wrong patterns of behavior in their life? When we're, when we're among each other we all look good But what happens when we close the door when we get home And all of a sudden the, the lust burns within us All of a sudden my sexual identity is challenged All of a sudden I, I, I'm drawn to this Or all of a sudden I'm an abuser Or all of a sudden I'm, I just got a foul mouth All of a sudden all this junk is coming out of me But Sunday's coming <laughs> Let's go to church And then we sit there. And then we get up. And then it starts all over again. It's a vicious cycle. And let me tell you something. I don't want to live that way. Like I fault God for a good year after he revealed himself to me. I fault him to hold on to my old ways of life. I didn't want to give up the very identity in who I believed I was from a child, from a little boy who knew that I was different than the other boys. I wanted to be more like a woman and I wanted men. I was desires for men and I knew that I wasn't accepted by the church. I tried to be the straight boy, the straight teenager. I was constantly told that God hated me and I was an abomination. I truly believed I was born that way. I enjoyed it. (laughs) And so throughout the years, it led to to all this craziness, and so finally, I'm in a in a relationship with a man that I believe. You know what? I'm I, I'm changing. I'm a better man. I'm not I'm not drugging. I'm not drinking. I'm not cursing. I mean, I was even in fact setting up standards in our home how he had to live and how our home would run. I had a friend come over one night. She was on her way to have an affair and she came in and she was, she was sitting down eating dinner with us and she was telling us what she was about to do. And I stood up at that table and I said, oh no, wait a minute. What are you talking about? You're a married woman. And I remember Rich going, oh Rob, sit down and let her I said, no, 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 that's not who we are anymore. <laughs> so God had already begun to work in my life. But there are still areas of my heart that I said, no, no, God, I'll keep it over here. You can have everything else, but surely you're okay with this. And I thought for sure I was going to be a gay preacher who was going to go forth and, and, and work with the gay youth and encourage them to grow up. These were my plans. This is what I thought I was going to end up doing. And then when the Holy Spirit was really bringing conviction on my life, I mean, I was sitting even with Christians and talking with Christians, and there was maybe one or two or, or a few that would be like, um, though they were very kind, they were they were they were honest with me. Well, Rob, you know, just keep seeking the Lord, keep seeking the Lord in this. But there were other Christians who were like, oh yeah, praise God, you know, blah, 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 and they saw me as a brother and a sister, but I really wasn't a brother. But as the Holy Spirit was bringing conviction. I kept telling him he was the devil. Devil you're not staring at my joy. Devil you can't take away who I am. How I was created. And I told you if you ever get a hold of my journal. And read it. You would see this battle taking place. On these pages. Like that man must be out of his mind. And even my lover. The guy I was with. Kept telling me, Rob, you're changing. Like you're becoming a man, a better man. And he would always tell me, this God that you're serving, you're going to have to walk away from us. And I would say, oh, come on, no. He says, I don't know how to fight for you. If it was another man, if it was a woman, I know what I could do, but I don't know how to fight him. and the months later the Holy Spirit convicted me and that's when I said God show me in your word because that's all I need to go back to God show me in your word and I just threw the Bible down Romans 6. What then shall you say? Shall you continue to sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not. Don't you know that if you died with me, Rob, you've been raised up in me into a new life? And it's a beautiful portion of scripture. The wages of sin are death. But I can give you eternal life. And listen, I'm sharing this yet again with y'all because I'm just letting you know it's not about just pretending to, to be saved. I just go to church and I just keep wrestling with crazy things. I just and I just keep beating myself down. No, no, no. It's about getting real and right with God. <laughs> when I opened up that door, Rich stood there with tears in his eyes. He says, you're leaving, right? I said, where else can I go? I love him. I belong to him now. And that's why stepping into church and looking around, not all of them, but unfortunately the majority of them, where's the the God in whom they say they love and they serve? I mean, the things that were told to me as a new Christian, the things that I saw, I mean, the things that were done, I shouldn't even be standing here. I mean, I told you there was a time where I even looked up to God and I said, why did you do this to me? I don't want this. I don't want you. This is crazy. This is ridiculous. I was fine. Why did you come? You know, I was angry at God. I was angry at God. I pulled off all the side of the road. I got out of the car and I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. And no, I'm not proud of it. But screaming at the top of my lungs, why did you do this to me? Oh, I'll show you. I don't want you anymore. <laughs> I, I'm gonna do me. I'll show you who I am. And that night, I went buck wild. One of the darkest nights of my life. One of the dirtiest nights of my life. And the next morning, my mind became a little bit more sober. The Holy Spirit said, did you find what you needed? That's what I heard when I woke up. And I threw myself on the ground crying, oh God, I don't live that way. God, I don't know how to live. Help me and in an instant to feel His love, to be encouraged, to get up. <laughs> Listen, you all, these days are only going to keep growing evil, darken. And we're called to be the light. there's a way to live to honor God this life can be lived the Bible says that he's given us everything we need to live a godly life if you're still enslaved to sin if sin is still mastering you it's not because anything that God hasn't done it's because what you won't release a lot of people and I'm encouraging them and discipling them, what I hear a lot is they say, well, I'm waiting for God to take it. And I'm saying, well, God, I always tell them, God, because that's a common phrase. People go home, close the door, and all of a sudden they say, God, you take it, you take it. And I say, God's not going to take it. And they go, what do you mean he's not going to take it? I've been asking him for years. I've been struggling and wrestling this with years. And I said, and you're thinking God is going to take it? I said, no, 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 no. You've got to lay it down. You've got to die to it. That's what scripture says. God has already made a way. He's already taken it through Christ through his resurrection. Sin and death is defeated. So sin is still mastering. If there's an area of your life where it's still mastering you, it's not because God is neglecting you. It's because you're still holding on to it. Lay it down. Every time it rears its ugly head, lay it down. Every time it rears its ugly head, lay it down. Submit yourself to God. Get discipled. Stay in fellowship. Get rooted. Be disciplined. And trust Him above all. Trust Him above all because He's God. He's good and He's great. Like you can walk with your head up. You can walk with confidence. Not in and of yourself but in your God. God is for me and He's not against me. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I mean, these are promises which you need to hold on to. Because these are truths, and this is the foundation. Jesus says, I have to go away so that he can come. So, what are you planting? Be mindful of what you're planting. For the rest of this year, be mindful of what you're planting. Because whatever you're planting, you're going to harvest confusion, disorder, lust, anger. Everything's going to come forth. So be mindful. And don't beat yourself down. If you see a habit formed, get before God. Pick up the phone. Call someone. Call me. Someone that you know, who there's fruit in their life. Who loves you enough to tell you the truth, and not just loves you enough just to coddle you. Just to pat you on your back. Not to have weird codependent relationships, but relationships that build up. And go forth and live before your life, before your family, and your friends, this newness of life. Not trying to change them, but holding your standards. Because one thing I used to tell Rich, yet though these are the standards in which I'm I'm living and which I'm putting down here so you know what I'm going to do and not do. I know I can't change you. But I will remind you. <laughs> I will remind you. And some of us just need to go out and just live it and be bold about our faith. Not rude. Boldness is not rudeness. You can live out, because everyone else is, is given a right to live however they want, and they can live loud and proud. Where's the church? We're to burn bright. Yes, I have a past, but my past doesn't define me. Yes, I had inclinations and I was bent a certain way. But I'm not bent any longer. (laughs) Yet though all the paths were crooked before me, but my God has made my path straight. He's given me his word, which is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I trust in him and in him alone. No matter what. And let me tell you, throughout the years, I've wanted to run. I mean, I've been honest with you all. I wanted to hide. I wanted to give up. I wanted to throw my hands and be like, oh God, please. (laughs) But He's always faithful. Where are you going? Like I told you before, the night I packed my bags. Gilda was sleeping. I was leaving (laughs) on a jet plane. (laughs) As soon as I got to the door in the bedroom. The Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, what are you doing living? I remember hitting my knees and begin to sob and tell him how bad life was and what people have done to me and blah blah, 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 blah. And you've made it all about yourself, Rob. It's not about you. You're a dead man. This is how dead men live. They react, they make all these, they just go. Ah, come on, you all, there's a way to live. There's a way to live. We're God's people. We're God's people. Go to Numbers. Don't worry, I'm not going to keep us here till the afternoon. But it's so heavy on my heart, you all, because I'm telling you, God has so much for us, the church and our generation. We're going to finish Numbers today, praise God. There, I, I, I got ahead of myself last week, finishing chapter 33, and anyways, we're hitting chapter 34, and we're going to go through 36, and they're actually kind of short, and plus I'm not going to say all these names and butcher them, so we're just going to move through here, but basically what we're going to see is that God is setting up boundaries for his people as they are entering in to the promised land. God is taking you from where you've been, you all, and He's allowing you to go in to the promised land and to the life that is found in Christ. And boundaries are good. (laughs) So look what it says here. Chapter 34. The Lord said to Moses, Give these instructions to the Israelites. When you come into the land of Canaan, which I'm giving you as your special possession, these will be the boundaries. The southern portion of your country will... Extend from the wilderness of Zin along the edge of Edom. The southern boundary will begin on the east at the Dead Sea. It will then run south past Scorpion Pass in the direction of Zin. And the southernmost point will be the Kadesh Barnea, from which it will go to Hazar Adar and on the Asmon. from Asmon. The boundary will be will turn toward the brook of Egypt and end at the Mediterranean Sea. Your western boundary will be the coastline of the Mediterranean Sea. Your northern boundary will begin at the Mediterranean Sea and run east to Mount Hor. Then to Lebo, Hama, and on through Zadad, and Ziphron, and Hesar, Enon. This will be your northern boundary. The eastern boundary will start at Hesar Anan, and run south of Sepham, then run, in, run down to Reb, Riblah on the east side of An. From there, the boundary will run down along the eastern edge of the Sea of Galilee, and then along the Jordan River to the Dead Sea. These are the boundaries of your land. Then Moses told the Israelites, This territory is the homeland you are to divide among yourselves by sacred law." The Lord has commanded that the land be divided among the nine and a half remaining tribes. The families of the tribes of Reuben Gad and half of the tribe of Manasseh have already received their grants of land on the east side of the Jordan River across from the Jericho toward the sunrise. And the Lord said to Moses, Eleazar, the priest, and Joshua, son of Nun, are the men Designated to divide the grants of the land among the people and list one leader from each tribe to help them with the task. These are the tribes and the names of their leaders and they're listed there. Verse 29. These are the men the Lord has appointed to divide the grants of the land in Canaan among the Israelites. Chapter 35. When Israel was camped beside the Jordan on the plains of Moab across from Jericho, the Lord said to Moses, command the people of Israel to give to the Levites from their property certain towns to live in, along with the surrounding pasture lands. These towns will be for the Levites to live in, and the surrounding lands will provide pastures for their cattle, flocks, and other livestock. The pastured The pasture land assigned to the Levites around these towns will extend 1,500 feet from the town walls in every direction measured off in 3,000 feet outside the town walls in every direction, east, south, west, and north. The town at the center, with the town at the center, this area will serve as a large pasture land for the towns. Six of the towns you give the Levites will be cities of refuge where a person who has accidentally killed someone can flee for safety. In addition, give them 42 other towns, and all 48 towns with the surrounding pasture lands will be given to the Levites. These towns will come from the property of the people of Israel. The larger tribe will give more towns to the Levites, while the smaller tribes will give fewer. Each tribe will give property in proportion to the size of its lands. God is making provision for the priest, but he's also making provision for the people that the priest will be among them. They will always have access to God. It's beautiful. Verse 9, Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the fellow following instructions to the people of Israel. When you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, designate cities of refuge to which people can flee if they have killed someone accidentally. These cities will be the places of protection from the dead person's relatives who want to avenge the death. The slayer must not be put to death before being tried by the community. Designate six cities of refuge for yourself, three on the east side of the Jordan River and three on the west in the land of Canaan. These cities are for the protection of the Israelites, foreigners living among you, and traveling merchants. Anyone who accidentally kills someone, may flee there for safety. But if someone strikes and kills another person with a piece of iron, it is murder, and the murderer must be executed. Or if someone with a stone in his hand strikes and kills another person, it is murder, and the murderer must be put to death. Or if someone strikes and kills another person with a wooden object, it is murder and the murderer must be put to death. The victim's nearest relative is responsible for putting the murderer to death. When they meet, the avenger must put the murderer to death. So if someone hates another person and waits in ambush, then pushes him or throws something at him and he dies, it is murder. Or if someone hates another person and hits him with a fist and he dies, it is murder. In such cases, the Avenger must put the murderer to death when they meet. But suppose someone pushes another person without having shown previous hostility or throws something that unintentionally hits another person or accidentally drops a huge stone on someone, though they were not enemies, and that person dies. If this should happen, the community must follow these regulations in making a judgment between the slayer and the avenger, the victim's nearest relative. The community must protect the slayer from the avenger and must escort the slayer back to live in the city of refuge in which he fled. There he must remain until the death of the high priest who was anointed with the sacred oil. But if the slayer ever leaves the limits of the city of refuge and the avenger finds him outside the city and kills him, it will not be considered murder. The slayer should be, have stayed inside the city of refuge until the death of the high priest. But after the death of the high priest, the slayer may return to his own property. These are legal requirements for you to observe from generation to generation wherever you may live, all murderers must be put to death, but only if evidence is presented by more than one witness. No one may be put to death on the testimony of only one witness. Also, you must never accept a ransom payment for the life of someone judged guilty of murder and subject to execution. Murderers must always be put to death. And never accept a ransom payment from someone who has fled to a city of refuge, allowing a slayer to return to his property before the death of the high priest. This will ensure that the land where you live—listen to this—will not be polluted, for murder pollutes the land. Let that sit there for a second. Murder pollutes the land, and so sacrifice. and and, And I'm sorry. And no. Sacrifice can purify the land from from murder. You must not defile the land where you live, for I live there myself. I am the Lord who lives among the people of Israel. God is serious about life, you all. He's the giver of life. God, help us as a nation. Verse 30, or chapter 36. Then the heads of the clans of Gilead, descendants of Maker, son of Manasseh, son of Joseph, came to Moses and the family leaders of Israel with a petition. They said, Sir, the Lord instructed you to divide the land by sacred lot among the people of Israel. You were told by the Lord to give the grant of land owned by our brother Zelephahad to his daughters. Remember that back in chapter I believe 22 is somewhere around there, these daughters came. They're like, my, our, our father had no sons. And so God spoke to Moses and said, give them the land. Well, there's an issue with this. Verse 3, But if they marry men from another tribe, their grants of land will go with them to the tribe into which they marry. And this way, the total area of our tribal land will be reduced. Then when the year of Jubilee comes, their portion of land will be added to that of the new tribe, Causing it to be lost forever to our ancestral tribe. So Moses gave the Israelites this command from the Lord. This claim of the men of the tribe of Joseph is legitimate. This is what the Lord commands concerning the daughters of that gentleman. Let them marry anyone they like as long as it is within their own ancestral tribe. None of the territorial land may pass from tribe to tribe, for all the land given to each tribe must remain within the tribe to which it was first allotted. The daughters throughout the tribe of Israel who are in line to inherit property and marry within their tribes so that all the Israelites will keep their ancestral property. No grant of land may pass from one tribe to another, each tribe of Israel must keep its allotted portion of land. So these daughters that are listed there, um, they married into the clans of Manasseh's son of Joseph. Thus their inheritance of land remained with their ancestral tribe. Verse Thirteen, these are the commands and regulations that the Lord gave to the people of Israel through Moses while they were camped on the plains of Moab beside the Jordan River across from Jericho. And that is the book of Numbers. Oh, I hope that you got a lot out of that book because we start Deuteronomy next week. God set up boundaries. God gave specific understandings of what to do with murder and God also set out the understanding of him and ensure that the land that was given to these tribes they maintained and they kept go to Luke chapter 5 verse 12 through 28 Luke chapter 5 verse 12 through 28 we're going to pick up with Jesus again Luke chapter 5 verse 12. In one of the villages Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. "Lord," he said, "if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean." Jesus reached out, don't miss this, and touched him. "I am willing," he said, "be healed." And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus instructed him not to tell anyone what had happened. He said, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required to the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Jesus touched the leper. Remember, lepers had to stay outside the camp. In fact, if they came around people, they had to yell out, unclean, unclean. They had to announce it. No one touched them. No one wanted to be around them. But Jesus touched them. And Jesus said, I have restored you. But now in order for you to be restored to your family and to the community, you have to go and you have to do what the law says to do. Go to the priest. At the priest's Announce that you have been cleaned. And then he could be restored to the community. But despite Jesus' instruction, the report of his power spread even faster and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often, look at this, withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. I love you all as we see Jesus in scripture. Especially if you're ministering, especially if you're you're just living out your Christian life. You gotta make sure you're being disciplined with the prayer life. <laughs> you gotta have a prayer life. Because remember, your new life is nothing of your own strength or power. It's through the Holy Spirit. You need to develop a prayer life. And if you don't have one, start tonight. Start today. And you say, but I don't know what to do. Just open yourself up to God. Talk to God. Hear from God. One of my favorite ways to really develop and to be disciplined, start a disciplined prayer life is praying scripture. Praying scripture. Opening up the Bible. Reading it. And of course, even before you jump in to read it, you should pray. Like, God, I'm not, Holy Spirit, teach me. I need wisdom of what your word is saying, how to apply it. And then just sit there and be still. Read a few scriptures. Write them out into a prayer as you're being led. It's nothing weird. It's nothing odd. It's just just natural. It really is beautiful. And if you need more help in that or you want to grow in that, let me know. But Jesus, he withdrew. One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your your sins are forgiven. But those Pharisees... And teachers of the religious law said to themselves, Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up. Pick up your mat and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe. And the pre- and they praised God, exclaiming, We have seen amazing things today. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. First of all, you see the care that this man's friends have for him. To take him to Jesus. (laughs) And not get distracted by the crowd or, or the things that were stopping them to get to Jesus. No, they did what they had to do to lower that guy down. And by doing so, that man was healed. But not just physically. His sins were forgiven. And that irritated the religious leaders. Because only God can forgive sins. And yet God was among them. And they were so religious, they didn't even know it. Wow. And then Levi, which is Matthew... He was a tax collector. One of the worst occupations or positions you could have back in that time. They were thieves. They were thieves. They were were doing whatever to oppress God's people as well. And yet Jesus comes along Matthew. And look what he says. Follow me and be my disciple. Matthew didn't question. Matthew got up left everything and followed him. You see, when Jesus steps into our lives, like nothing else is more valuable. Don't cling to anything else or anyone else. Just follow him. Follow him. That's what they did. And notice as you're reading and as you're studying Jesus, when he's calling the disciples, they weren't educated men. They weren't religious men. They knew The traditions, they understood. But they were men that were down here at the bottom level of life. (laughs) And yet Jesus knew the works that he had prepared for them to do. So he calls them. And they begin to follow. Ah, I love it. Psalm 65. Psalm 65, and oh, how I pray. Psalms is encouraging in you all. You want to start somewhere to to write out prayers? Go to the book of Psalms. Psalm 65, again, it's a prayer from King David, or a song from King David. Again, Psalms should draw us to a place to look up. To look up with all the anxiousness that's going around, with the city opening, with the nation reopening. May we look up. May we trust God. There's so much unknown going on in the world. Was this a biological weapon released? Was it released on accident? What's happening around the world? All the death that's taken place from this disease, from the locusts eating the lands in Africa, from the earthquakes rattling different parts of the world, with famine going crazy. People are starving, people are hungry, with nations being shaken left and right. It's not time for the church to retreat, it's time for the church to pray, to use wisdom, to seek God daily. To pray, to hope, to look up, to trust God, to trust God. And in trusting Him that our message isn't silent, we can honor the authority of the land and do as they ask as long as they say we can't preach. <laughs> Once they say we can't preach, something's wrong. And that's what's even happening in our land. Where they're being told, churches in New York, cities being told, we will close you down permanently. Pastors being arrested. A lot of different stuff going on. Now, as long as the pastors are abiding as the law has asked them to make sure that they are functioning with safe distance or, you know, allowing them to have drive-in church or whatever. Now, it's different if you're opening up and you're doing things that ought not to be done. That's not faith. That's ignorance. That's ignorant. But if you abide as they're saying, then do it. And trust God. But if they ever tell you that you can't preach, then that's a problem. We haven't been told we couldn't preach. But they've given us guidelines on how we need to ensure the safety of people. But now that we're seeing that this plague yet though it has been destructive throughout the earth but it's not as destructive as it has been laid out we don't know the reasons behind it but we know the God in whom we serve and that's like I said it's almost like a trial run for the church buildings are empty but that doesn't mean we're not the church It's not about the place that we meet. It's about the heart that we have. King David was up against a lot in his life. He was a man after God's own heart. He was a man who who sinned against God. He was a man who who had, had to endure the consequences of his sin. But all along, God inspired him to look up. Ah, listen to this. What mighty praise, O God, belongs to you in Zion? We fulfill our vows to you, for you answer our prayers. All of us must come to you. Though we are overwhelmed by our sins, you forgive them all. I love that line. You want to highlight something? You want to go back to something? Look at that line there. He's not wallowing around in his sin. Poor me, poor me. No, look, he is reminding himself what a joy. I'm sorry. Let me back up. Though we are overwhelmed by our sins, you forgive them all. What joy for those who chose to, to bring near those who live in your holy courts. What festivities await us inside your holy temple. You faithfully answer our prayers with awesome deeds. Our God, our Savior, you are the hope of everyone on the earth, even those who sail on distant seas. You formed the mountains by your power and armed yourself with mighty strength. You quieted the raging oceans with their pounding waves and silenced the shouting of the nations. Those who live at the ends of the earth stand in awe of your wonders." from where the sun rises to where it sets. You inspire shouts of joy. You take care of the earth and water it, making it rich and fertile. The river of God has plenty of water. It provides a bountiful harvest of grain, for you have ordained it so. You drench the plowed ground with rain, melting the clods and leveling the ridges. You soften the earth with showers and bless. It's abundance, abundant crops. You crown the year with a bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness become a lush pasture and the hillsides blossom with joy. The meadows are clothed with flocks of sheep and the valleys are carpeted with grain. They all shout and sing for joy. This is our God. You all know your God. Know your God. And don't take for granted the knowledge that you're given of Him. No, know your God and respond to Him. That's so why you know one of my favorite phrases is, "I can preach myself happy." When I started feeling whatever discouragement, whatever may try to start setting in, like just start preaching yourself happy. But you can't if you don't have knowledge. You can't, if you're not applying, if you're just a hearer of the word, it's not. there's no benefit of it. You have to apply it. As the spirit leads, as you walk habitually in the spirit, it's easy to throw off the sin that so easily entangles you. It's easy to throw off the old man, the old woman, and say, not today. It's easy to stand up and declare the wonders of your God. To look at creation to see his, his work. Like we have to encourage ourselves, you all. We have to know our God and we have to live for him. Not because we're forced, but where else are you going to go? That's why I've always said when, when, when you make your Christian life a burden, oh, I've got to go to church. Oh, I'm going to have to pray. Um, you don't know the joy of the Lord. Because when you understand and have the joy of the Lord, ah you can't wait to get to church. You can't wait to open up the word. You can't wait to be in prayer. You can't wait to, to just have private time of worship or gather time of worship. You can't wait to, 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 to fast, you can't wait to, to just be. <laughs> and listen, this Christian life, your flesh is not going to yield to it easily. The world is going to distract you as much as it can and the enemy is going to come and knock you. That's why you have to grow in it. You have to abide in him because apart from him, you can do nothing. You'll do nothing. You'll just sit and wonder where's God in the midst of all of this when he's very present. He's real. He's God. Proverbs. We're ending there. Proverbs Proverbs 11. Chapter, I mean, Proverbs 11, verse 23. One nugget of wisdom. Oh, praise God. Proverbs 11, verse 23. The godly can look forward to a reward. While the wicked can expect only judgment. Oh, that the true gospel would go forth. And that this weird watered down gospel will be exposed for the lie that it is. Oh, judgment is coming. There's no way around it. No matter how they try to write hell away, write judgment away, no matter what the generations to come want to do, no matter how they want to keep parading, living however they want to live, and still think that they're right with God, God's word is truth. It's final. We don't add to it. We don't take it away. There is a reward for those who live right. But oh judgment is coming. For those who choose to remain in rebellion towards a holy God. Oh, how we need a breakthrough, you all, in the church, and oh how we need to pray for a breakthrough for those who are lost. That we would see the Lord moving among us today that hope would be restored, and that the church would burn bright. It's not going to be easy being the church, living a Christian life. It will get harder as days continue. But oh, that I pray that you wouldn't fall prey and turn around and fall out. That you would remain steadfast and rooted, looking up, waiting for Christ Jesus. And the final, final work that he'll do when he comes and he gathers those who belong to him. Let me play this last song for us. We're going to close in prayer. And then before we head down um, to eat, we're going to take communion together. And we'll celebrate Homer's birthday.